welcome to Jew's Taekwondo Podcast. Today we have Master Chan Lee. This is Gordon Jew and David Jew. Master Lee is uh, from what city are you from, sir? Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. How's it up there? Um, our family immigrated here in 1975, and we've been running our Taekwondo school here since 1976. So Midwest, we're only an hour and a half north of Chicago. We're right next to the, the Great Lake, Michigan. It's kind of a hidden gem, in my opinion. Love, uh, love the city. And uh, it's, I think, got about 1.2 million people where we live. Nice. So that's interesting. You, your family immig- immigrated in 1975, and your dad started the studio in 1976, right? I mean, Correct. Did he come? So he- I'm sorry, sir. Did, did he come to America to teach Taekwondo? Correct. So he came to America and, um, you know, he, he did Taekwondo in Korea and then he had a good friend here that was working with the YMCA and he said he needed help. So my father, um, at that time, uh, I had an aunt that lived in Pittsburgh and, uh, my aunt and my uncle there, um, kind of sponsored my family's visa and came. And then from there, my father came to uh, Milwaukee to teach Taekwondo. Cause I always ask him, I was like, why did you go to California or Miami or somewhere warm? And he's he came to Milwaukee and he said, you know what, uh, there's not a lot of people doing Taekwondo here, one. And two, I like the flair of the Midwest. I mean, he said he, he came from a small town in Korea and he said, you know, we can make it here. So he decided to move here. That's a really interesting story, sir. Did you, yeah. did you were you born in Korea? No, yes, I was born in Korea. And how old were you when you um, immigrated? So I was, I was two years old when I came. So it was just a young, uh, young son, young kid walking in here. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty much grew up as a as an American, displaced Korean living in in, in the Midwest. <laughs> but I wouldn't have changed my life experience for the world. It, it's really shaped who I am today. And being uh, being in the Midwest is to me is 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 a great place. That's awesome. Now, um, how old were you when you started Taekwondo? Uh, I started Taekwondo when I was about. About four and a half, five years old. And, you know, uh, one of my father's first students was a guy named Chris Nansky. And he, you know, taught taught me and got me uh, started. And while he was, uh, you know, working at the Taekwondo school with my father. And our first school was uh, right on 36th and North Avenue here in Milwaukee, which is Central City, Milwaukee. It's like in the hood, right? <laughs> and it's a predominantly African-American neighborhood. Great students, great people. We, uh, but you know, I asked my dad, "Why'd you open there?" And he's like, "Well, it's cheap, cheapest rent I could find." So, <laughs> but uh, that's where J.K. Lee's got started. Uh, and at that time, in the seventies, the taekwondo, the the taekwondo world hadn't really started. So my father told me, like, no one knew what taekwondo was, and everybody at that time was doing uh, kempo, karate, and stuff like that. So he said, well, the only way you're going to find out about what Taekwondo is, we're just going to have to go to tournaments and just, you know, win. So yes, my father's first crop of, uh, crop of black belts were just brutal. They would just go on there and just, they were just, they all they did was fight, 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 fight. <laughs> you know, pretty much my father built a little bit of a reputation, you know, in the Midwest as, you know, one of the top fighting schools. Even to this day, when you run to some of my father's old students, they're just like, <laughs> oh, there, there he is. You know, they're, they're very uh, afraid. But 
you know, the, the, the other thing, too, is that um, that's kind of how our character development program started was after a while, my father taught these these guys. You know, he, he said, you know, Taekwondo is not just about fighting. It's about making the village and where you live better. Yes. Sir. And he said, you know, th- it's really important. So he started doing like character development, community service type stuff. So part of his thing that his black belt did, they cleaned up parks and, you know, they made uh, uh, the area that they lived better. And he said that was an important part of of uh, of um, growing his uh, his following and, and his student base. Nice. That's um. So. You started when you were about four and a half, five years old. So what's you started about 1980? Is that about right? Let's let's do the math. Uh, <laughs> no, you, it'd be like it would be 78. Okay, that's very cool. Yeah, You're, yeah. You know, mom, I started taekwondo about 1978, but I was not four and a half years old. Oh wow! <laughs> I was uh, so, 18. Uh, you were years. like. I was 18 You're 12 years, years old. old, sir. 12 years old, sir. <laughs> 12, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 18 years old. So I started in college. So, yeah, that's where I started. And uh, just by chance, the studio I found was, um, his name was um, Grandmaster Sabri Soleil, and he did ITF. So been doing ITF patterns for a long time. And that's really what we're here to kind of talk about a little bit, sir. And uh, just interesting how your own experience and the way you were taught taekwondo traditionally and what it might look like today and that's kind of wanted to see how what your feelings were on that yeah well it's you know my father is chang Chang style taekwondo yes sir and he um you know there's nine different kwans and that's the kwan that we had and my father learned under um grandmaster lee nam suk Yes, sir. And, you know, he stuck with the old ITF patterns. That's just the way we learned. He learned uh, directly with Grandmaster um, Che, you know, the modern founder of, you know, Taekwondo. So uh, I, I found it a very uh, incredible time. I mean, that I, I, you know, I grew up with a lot of kids of other Taekwondo Grandmasters and Masters. And, you know, we had General Che and Grandmaster Lee Nam Suk at our house. And, you know, when you're a kid, you have no idea how important, how cool, you know, these people are. Oh, absolutely. Yes, sir. And, um, yeah, so, you know, the philosophy of uh, uh, my father would always say is that when you did your forms, it should be like you're in a pretend fight and you should put everything you have into it. You know what I mean? It's with speed and power and snap and so forth. Yes, sir. And so when a lot of uh, in the 80s was kind of a big deal because... Taekwondo made a major shift here in the United States with AAU and USTU and these other groups because we had to like decide whether or not these groups, you know, were doing uh, the Palge forms and you know the um, the Teguk forms. Yes, sir. And and so um, you know that became like oh that's this is this is real Taekwondo, right? And and um, there's always kind of like this, you know, Olympic style taekwondo versus uh, ITF style taekwondo, and and so forth. And my and my father stuck to his guns. He's like, you know, I don't like that. He goes, this is what I this is what I grew up with, and this is what I want my students to learn. Yes, sir. And um, he stayed firm with that. And then about mid '80s, you know, we were still had students compete and so forth. And so he said, okay, we'll adopt the sparring style. Uh, and know the rules for for WT Taekwondo. So we we still sparred and we did both styles. You know, ITF sparring and, and WT sparring. We did uh, we did both of them. Yes, sir. 
but we never we we only adopted it was like i think the late 80s my father started adopting just the black belt pumses so uh for teguk so we do goryeo gumgang tebek shipjin we do all the um uh those forms uh along with our don so they get a little flavor of that and then in the last 3 years we've now instituted uh doing the you know teguk uh 1 through 8 we've been um putting that into our black belt curriculum and we rotate it through so when we say taekwondo now i i tell our students is that we have to learn all forms of taekwondo you know <laughs> i said our 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 tree and our base is itf but you know we if we're going to compete on an olympic level we're, we we can do wt and we can do itf and yes, i think sir. you know we're one of the few schools in the in the country that can do both it's a lot of work though sir <laughs> oh my gosh tell me about it but you know what i did is that talking with my father's input and so forth is we don't learn all of it we rotate it oh i see so we'll just right now we're on teguk 4 and then 4 months ago we were on teguk 8 so we rotate one form in we don't adopt all of it does that make sense yes sir sure i understand so 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 they get a flavor of it and then so when our our competitors they've seen all of it now it's just when they get ready for competition they'll go oh yeah yeah, yeah i remember this from a year ago or whatever and we we'll review it it's not like they're starting off from ground zero sure. they've been at least exposed to it yes sir so um just out of curiosity what is your feelings about patterns in today's modern society of martial art with mixed martial art and stuff like that is it a big curriculum for you sir uh, it is it, it definitely is but let me tell you why when i was a younger 20 something so in my martial art career um i was the wisconsin state Taekwondo coach. Um I I went to Korea, trained at Yongin University and I did Taekwondo in Korea and I realized I'm like, wow, this modern day Taekwondo is completely different than the way I've been taught as a kid, you know. Yes, and sir. I've learned new new ways and so forth and and so my father had an open mind to expose myself expose myself to a lot of cool and interesting things, right? And um in my 20s as a teacher, I I would you know um have very strong pointed discussions with my father and i said listen we need to get rid of pumse i said it's a waste of time you know pumse is just kind of like we shouldn't do it at all we should just spar yes sir right that was kind of like my thing i was like if you want to know if you're a good taekwondo person spar lay some up you know what i mean <laughs> yes sir <laughs> and and that was just the way i thought you know and 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 we had a, like a really diverse our school has a very diverse base and and you know we did a lot of sparring when i was in my 20s and i could tell some of my father's older black belts and students were like yeah there's other things in taekwondo than just the the sparring part you know and i i, I don't want to say i didn't respect them but i was sort of like okay whatever you guys are just old or whatever right <laughs> and, and and now i'm in my 40s 30s and 40s and in in my 30s i as i transitioned to getting out of free sparring and competition and i started working with kids on forms and you know and teaching especially itf forms to children is hard work it's got to be one of the most challenging hard things that i've ever done right yes sir especially now as we're trending younger with kids but it's so good for them and it's so good for them because it builds number one it builds so many more neural pathways in their brain i had um the lead neurologist uh for a hospital here locally and she had her children and she took classes with us and she did a uh, uh, talk on brain health and concussions and stuff to our staff 
And then someone asked her and said, what are ways to build your brain? And she said, you need to do something with your mind and your body. Like music helps build more neural pathways in your, in your brain. And he, she said, taekwondo, like learning these patterns and forms, you know, mind and body harmony, where you're memorizing new things to do with your, with, with your, with your body and your brain has to facilitate that also builds new neural pathways. You know, it just kind of cemented things we already knew. Yes. But to have a neurologist said it, say it, it was like, all right, this is, this is, this is really awesome. So it was great. It was, um, you know, for me, when I teach forms now, I don't think I'm just teaching them Dangun or Dosan or, or, um, you know, the, the difficult, uh, Tege, you know, I, I feel like we're doing something that goes beyond that, which is building brain health. And I, I really feel like we're building these kids to, to really be awesome. And, and we're, we're still old school, sir. I don't know if you still do this, but you go to our testing. Yes, sir. You got to perform basic one, right? Kibun yep. to Chunji Dangun Dosan all the way to Chungmu. Yes, sir. That's that's our black belt test. Oh, yeah. And then you then you spar five rounds, right? Yes, and then sir. You, then you run two miles. And and I look at our curriculum. I'm like, man, that's a lot. I show it to my friends. They're like, man, that's a lot of stuff to memorize. I'm like. <laughs> But if they make it a lifestyle and it's part of who they are and it's a culture, then they, they'll want to learn it. Oh, absolutely, you know? sir. Yeah. yeah. And I and I tell my um, parents that enroll their young kids, I said, your, your son's form does not have to be perfect. What it has to be is we're teaching them body mechanics, the movements. And when they turn six or seven, right, and you're te- working with four and five-year-olds, I said, when they're six and seven, we know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll be a little bit more strict with the technique. But right now... You know, we're just learning body mechanics. And so don't worry about, you know, just make sure it's the correct foot and, and so forth. And it's made a big difference. And, and I tell, I tell, I specifically tell our parents, I said, listen, we're, your kid has to memorize all 20 odd moves of this form or 36 or whatever it is. Yes. Sir. And um, I need your help. I need you to video it. So I, like we have forms week, I have all my parents come out and video it. And when you video, video it, then please go home and practice with your children. You know, and this is how they're going to build, you know, more neural pathways in their brain. They, we need to work together to make this happen. So I don't want to just have them drop it off and they don't have to do anything. I, I want them to have a little bit of buy-in saying, hey, I have to help my kid get better. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's really cool. You know, patterns, we don't realize the benefit of Taekwondo sometimes. I think a lot of a lot of students don't realize it. And just like that, I'm, right now I'm working with a, a student. He's uh, 64. Four, and he had a kind of a stroke and memory problems, you know. But we're working on patterns, and he's coming along. I think he's his memorization is a lot better. It's like what you said, that neuron. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So, um, and I- just in a, another quick question, and that is, you've seen some of the way the current ITF patterns are being performed, and the way you were taught, and you know, it's not like actually. That what you're doing is probably more old school. I remember going to a seminar with um, President Choi Jung Wah, the son of General Che, and he goes, "Oh, old school." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, old school? What's that, sir?" <laughs> I thought I was just doing what I thought was um, we right. Were doing. Right. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I, I um, recently came across some videos online of a Taekwondo d- demonstration in 1964. Yes. And I saw them doing some forms. I think they were doing Wanyo. And I'm like, that's exactly how we do Wanyo, you know? Yes, sir. 
and I, I just kind of had an epiphany. I was like, wow, I said, the, the, the form of Taekwondo we're doing is how they used to do it, you know, in the 60s. And, and my father, I don't want to say he broke away from ITF or we never got ranking through ITF. It just, you know, I, I think he just didn't have, I, I didn't know, I didn't think he knew the avenues to do that. And then all his leadership was with WT. Yes. Yeah. So, but he, he still stuck with, uh, with uh, uh, ITF patterns. But, you know, I, the way I look at it is, you know, I understand why they um, tried to do the sine wave and how it's a little bit more bouncy than what I'm used to. Yes. And I see the same forms. It just, to me, it seems like there's, you know, this is just my opinion. It doesn't mean it's, it's the law here, but it seems inefficient in terms of when you're like going to hit someone with multiple moves and so forth that you've expended so much effort and time to do the wave and so forth that you're missing out. You know what I mean? Yes, and I, I, I do some um, boxing. I do some kickboxing. I do some other martial arts. I'm, I'm just a martial art nerd. You know, someone just recently interviewed me and said, you know, what do you do for fun? And I'm like, uh, martial arts. <laughs> martial arts. <laughs> like, they're like, well, isn't that what you do for a job? I'm like, yeah, that is my um, fun. <laughs> so, yeah, that is my fun. I, you know, just like learning new stuff, you know, and, and, and learning new philosophies and, you know, I think, um, you know, a lot of people don't like UFC. I, um, I look at it as a laboratory, you know what I mean? And, and I don't think it's the be all end all. Yes. Sir. I think if these people are willing to go and fight and, and show us different styles and there's no like cost to me because I, I'm not the one that's taking the beating, you know, <laughs> I, I just get to watch and, and, and understand the science of it. Absolutely. Um, and I, I'm, yeah, I'm the, I'm a huge fan, but it's just interesting to me. You know what I mean? That if you, if you are going to do power, you're going to sacrifice a little speed, right? If you yes, have yes. some speed, right, then you're going to sacrifice power, right? I mean, it's just, it's that game, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, you look at the Muay Thai kicks and you look at ITF kicks and then you look at WT roundhouse kick. It's all three different roundhouse kicks, you oh, know what I mean? It's yes, just, sir. You, and you can't say which kick is better. It's just, you know, why are they doing it that way? I think you always got to ask that why and, and so forth. So, um, but yeah, we never we never made that jump to the ITF sine wave, the current current sine wave. Just kind of kind of foreign to me, but it seems a little bit more of a waste of energy in in how it looks. Yeah, you know, I think um, I was watching some of your students last year at ASA. Is that right, ASA? Yes, yes, not, sir. Not comma ASA. 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 That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, what I saw, in my opinion, is that it's not that you don't do sine wave. I think you actually do it, but it's more of a natural movement. So I totally agree with what you're saying. I think today the emphasis of, of the sine wave is maybe overemphasized. You, there's a lot too much up and down type of that concept, I think. I think it's more subtle than that. Like you said, it's maybe a waste of time. Right, right, right. What, what, do you know, what year was that instituted? When well, did that become like a, a thing? Yeah, that's, I think that's a, I think General Che was, I remember meeting him in 1984, and, and he was kind of talking about that. But if you look at a lot of the older Koreans, Korean masters, um, there wasn't, you don't see that extreme, but it, I think it became more extreme is because I, I think it was 
in my opinion, and I'm I'm not saying that that's there's just a reason, but in my opinion, I think this whole idea of this deep down, up down kind of movement was only brought in only as a way to try to explain this concept. It's not really it's this concept of up and down. And so when I see right. some of my own students and I see too much of it, I said, no, 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 that's too much. It's got to be more natural. And I think the video that you might be talking about, Juan Yo, that you saw, I think I saw the same video. I was going, see, they have a little bit of sun wave, but it's not too extreme. Right, right. And maybe it, maybe, um, it has to be deeply more explained to me. And, uh, and if we're doing it, then, you know, then, you know, that I, I just know that. Yeah, it's easier for us to perform it, but it's like I, I, the way it's always been explained to me is whatever technique you do, whether it be a block or a punch, you want to put as maximum power into it efficiently. Yes, sir. Without you know overwinding up and so forth, and you know I came up with this concept. I told my my students I said if you let's let's do a low block low block for an example, right? Yes, sir. If you're gonna do a low block, you know you can't just use your arms, right? If you just use your arms, you're missing like you know seventy percent of the power here. So you can't wind up like a baseball pitcher and turn your belly button over and then turn all the way over and then do the low block, right? You, I said, turn your belly button over to 10%. Just 10% and then turn and then at the last minute snap your hand down, you know? Yes, sir. And, and so my concept that that's kind of like – because I, I've done reality-based training where I've been in uh, scenarios where you fight with red man suits on. Yes, sir. And red man suits are that, that big suit that police officers will use. And we did scenarios, and I, I remember so a lot of the law enforcement people I was training with, they were just getting knocked on their butts. And uh, the guy in the suit came after me, and I went to a deep walking stance and started throwing elbows and knees, and I wasn't getting thrown around. I'm like, this is all Taekwondo forms. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my stances are keeping me upright, you know? And, uh, you know, you have this guy with a fake knife trying to, you know, stab you, and you're like, all right, I'm going to block it with a high block hit him with an elbow, hit him with some knees and just until he, he backs down and, uh, and, and they're running at, running at you at full force. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. And, and so anyway, it was just, you know, very interesting to me that foundation. because the foundation of your stances help you, you know, fight the reality based, you know, components of what we you know, what, what goes on, you know? Yeah. And I think we learn a lot of that in, um, forms in patterns, a lot of hundred percent foundation 100%. as long as we're focusing on what we're trying to do right i mean sometimes yes, we have sir. kids that's just kind of going through the motion but they're not really thinking about how does that really work right, right. i always kind of think of patterns or the movement itself as like it's not the way we really fight because we don't hold a arm out like that but i think of it like as someone took a photograph and what would it look like if i was to hit somebody and I was in the in the right stance. It should look something like this, maybe. Right, right. But wouldn't you? I mean, you see, I, I've been in these like mock scenarios, and if you were going to hit someone hard with a with a right hand, you know, you would go into a left walking stance deep to like throw it. You wouldn't stay in your L stance and or, or a guarding stance, you know, or a fighting stance just to do it. You would, you if you were going to haul off on someone. You would naturally just go into a walking stance to hit them. Yes, sir. You know what I mean? To drive it and, in, right? The, yeah, absolutely to drive it in. That back foot is, you know, your your stability, you know? And so, um, I, 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 like I said, I, I do the whole, yes, you will not go into a deep walking stance into a low block, but I guarantee 
someone's coming after you, you're going to do a semblance of a walking stance before you throw your right hand or your dominant hand, right? Because you can't, you can't do a stance from just standing still or yes. you, know, you can't hit someone just, you know, regular standing. Your stances are kind of the backbone of what you're going to throw. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think of patterns as like theory, right? It's like if you're an engineer, you have the ideas or the theory of something. And then in reality, you have an electrician who actually knows how it really works. And so taekwondo right. can be the same. In theory, this is what we do. But in real life, it might be a slightly different. Right, right. But a very necessary thing to learn. Yes, sir. We need that foundation. Did you have any questions that you maybe want to ask me about how we might do patterns, sir? Yeah, hundred percent. Your what's your black belt or what your testing cycle? Is it uh, do the all the students have to know one or two forms or how do you guys do that? Yeah, so we actually have a black belt test coming up this weekend, and so people that are testing for students that are testing for first dan have to know all the patterns chunji through chungmu. And um, second dance have to know all the pattern from Chanji all the way to, we call it Kodong. I don't, do you do Kodong? We do Kodong. We never do Juche. No Juche. So you know the original Kodong? Yes, sir. Nice. I call that Kodong 1.0. And uh, <laughs> so when General Che brought out Juche, that was about 1980, I would say 19, around 1984. And around 2008, President Che changed the name Ju Che back to Kodong. He'd been working with some of the people in, in Korea, and Ju Che is just the terminology is kind of, I don't know, maybe associated more with the North Koreans. Mm-hmm. So he changed the name back to Kodong. So it's. So, so is it the actual form or is it Ju Che called Kodong? It's Ju Che named Kodong. So he just ah, changed the name. Back to Kodong, but there are some Got other organizations it. call it Juche. They don't call it uh, Kodong. Ah, uh, okay. So then, do you do Kodong 2.0? We do Kodong 2.0. <laughs> oh, wow. got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, I, I did learn Kodong 1.0, but you know, it was a long time ago. I think my son can do that. Yeah, it's one of my favorite forums, and you know, when Juche, right? Uh, no, Kodong 1.0. Oh, okay. I like to. Yeah, I, maybe I never learned Juche. You. Oh, you didn't learn Juche. Well, maybe no, one. Uh, maybe when we see each other, we we can go over. You can show me Kodong 1.0, and we can show you Kodong 2.0. <laughs> wow. So, uh, so our, all our books are wrong then, because we, you know, I had to find some books that had all the forms and so forth, and you know, the books we use is. The encyclopedia is the, the, the 12. The 12 or 15 volumes, sir. Oh, is it? 15? Yeah, the 15 volumes. Yes, so sir. those are our reference, but they don't have Kodang in there. Right, they have, they have Juche. Juche. Right, 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 right. Right, And so I had to find an older book, the, the Taekwondo, I call it the Taekwondo Bible. The yes, General sir. Check, and then the Green Book, right? Yes, sir. So I have that condensed version of that, and that had Kodang in it. And, um, wow, but that, yeah, it's, uh, that must be a really old book. Cause I have not seen that book. I have yeah. some old encyclop, uh, old condensed version, but they all yeah. have Juche in it. Yeah. So you, you can tell how old it is when you have like all the people in the pictures, they're like Korean. 
right? <laughs> <laughs> they're they're Koreans and they're wearing floods. Right, and you're like, oh, okay, this is this is an old book. And then you see the newer version, you're like, oh wait, there's non-Koreans in this book. This must be an older version of the book. <laughs> I have some old photos of myself, and I'm wearing floods. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, hey, I don't want to take too much more of your time, sir. I uh, Maybe we can do this again and maybe sp uh, talk a little bit more specifics about a particular pattern. I do really appreciate it, though, sir. Oh, well, thanks for having me on. And, you know, um, it's so great that, you know, I get to talk to you about forums because there's not a lot of people, I think, that go, oh, yeah, let's talk about patterns and forums. This is awesome. It's uh, I, I, We have a, a great culture within our own organization of people that, just love the forums, and I and I and I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of that as well. So oh, that's cool. So if yeah. um, if you want to hear more about what David and I are doing on ITF patterns, um, we have a podcast called Tool World, Tool T U L World. And, oh wow! And you can find it on the, the Apple Podcast or Google Play. And that's where this is going to go. If you want to share it, share what we talk about on your. You're hundred percent. You're you're welcome to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd be happy to. If you if you want to post it up on um, our, uh, are you a part of our Asa page? Yeah. No, just out of curiosity, what is your clientele base now? I mean, you said back in 1976, your dad was in the suburbs and it was mostly African American. Would you say that's so, still true? No. So 19. So what happened was, is uh, we were in, you know, right central city, Milwaukee, right? Um, and uh, in 1982, he moved to the suburbs and he opened a school in the suburbs of, uh, of Milwaukee. Uh, and he uh, and it was like four times the rent. He was like really nervous if he was going to make it. And it was in a suburb called Brookfield, Wisconsin. Yes, sir. And and that's where we built it. So it's, you know, a per we went from an all black neighborhood to an all white neighborhood. Mm. Right. <laughs> so it, Did it pay was, better? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it was, it, it's different, right? I mean, um, all the same features and so forth. And now we actually are, are back in the inner city because we now have an inner city nonprofit Taekwondo school that teaches Taekwondo for free to, uh -huh. um, that people that can't afford it. We just had a big benefit for it. And, uh, we had the Milwaukee Brewers Foundation is 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 helping us out with it, so it's a, it's a really big deal. It's a you know I I think like you believe, sir. We we believe that Taekwondo is one of the greatest gifts to help people become better. Yes, sir. right. Yes, and sir. yet yet you know we're helping suburbanites, but the kids that really need it are in these like you know really bad areas and inner cities. And if we can, yeah, inner cities, and if we can just help them become better through Taekwondo how great will our stories be? So that's kind of exactly what, uh, what that, uh, thing is about. And so, um, we run a full-time dojang in the inner city that, you know, is done through donations and things like that. So nice. So as your main schools, would you still say it's predominantly Caucasians or would, you know, Caucasians, uh, we have a high, uh, I have to say now a certain level, some parts of our lo locations, 30% are Indian. And I think the Indian population kind of gets it you know they just kind of go look at it and you go oh yeah i need this for my son he needs to do this you know what i mean so we've uh we've gotten this uh huge influx of indian clientele yeah it's really interesting my uh our second location 
is predominantly Indians. I, mean, I would say almost 80% is Indian. Wow. And, wow. And less than less than 10% is Caucasian. Wow. Yes, it's weird, but maybe that's California. You know, I don't know. Right. Well, it's uh, very interesting. Anyway, I'll probably see you in a couple of weeks. Absolutely, sir. Well, this has been well, fun. We haven't heard anything yeah. from David. Thank you for joining us, sir. I <laughs> I thought this was super interesting. <laughs> oh, that's right. There's another person on this on this podcast. <laughs> well, David, thank you for your input. It's been very insightful. I appreciate everything you have. I've learned. <laughs> My son is um, he's 21, so he's um, just going through. How old were you when you started um, your first school? Wow, you know, I, I should. I've always been. Here's the crazy thing: I've always been in our headquarters location, so I've started schools, but I've had other instructors start them for me. You know what I mean? So I haven't like started from ground zero, so yes, to speak. Sir. But I've coached our people to to uh, help run those schools to the next level. But you you went to college, did you? University. <laughs> I did. I went to uh, University of Wisconsin and graduated in 95. And then... Um, and what uh, what kind of degree did you get? I got a degree in um, marketing, journalism and marketing. Nice. Communications and marketing. So. And you didn't yeah. want to do marketing? Um, you wanted to do Taekwondo? You know, if you asked me as a freshman going into Taekwondo, uh, going to college, I was like, nope, I'm going to just do Taekwondo as a hobby. I'm sick of it, done with it. I did it my whole life, you know, been at Dojang every single day. There's, you know, I'm going to do something else. And I, and I needed that break. I mean, college was a nice little break. Right. Yes. Sir. And, and, and then, um, you know, I joined the Taekwondo club and university of Wisconsin. It's a, it's a big school. It's, you know, 50,000 students. So you're trying to find your niche and I'm like, all right, well, I'll just join the Taekwondo club. And then on the first day of the Taekwondo club, you know, they're like, Oh, that's the son of J.K. Lee. Uh, you know, I, I, I bet he can fight. Let's see, let's see what he knows. <laughs> and, I, and, and I trained in Korea. So I was like, what, you know, what the hell are these guys? So there was like a long line because we do round robins and they would just spar. So like after, I don't know, like two weeks, like I beat everybody up in the, in the, in the actual thing, you know? And so then, you know, the senior comes up to me and goes, hey, do you mind running the club? I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll teach classes. Because at that time they knew I outranked them and I knew – you know, everything. So I, I just kind of taught classes and had a good time. And, you know, it's kind of good for your ego too. Cause you're, you know, this awkward 18 year old that's in college and all of a sudden people are like calling you, sir. And thank you for helping me. And cause I just, you know, had the skills to back it. I thought you were and taking then, a break. I did, but it was just for <laughs> exercise. Yeah, it was break. But at the same time, you know, you still want to like, not completely. It's not every day. It's just two times a week. Yes. Right. That's a break. Yes. Sir. Right. From, from going to Dojang every day. <laughs> right to like coming two times a week you're like oh this is a huge break you know i don't have to be at the dojang every day but it was it was neat because i had like college professors invite me over for dinner and you know you didn't have a car in college and you know i, I got like treated a little differently because i knew taekwondo and then from there i started off another club and it was a paid club for for people to, to do as an introduction to taekwondo and that, that was separate from the actual club club and I got 70 students just from, from doing it. I'm like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. And then I met some other mentors and friends that were in their 20s. And and uh, they ran like huge operations in Florida. So I went and visited. And I'm like, holy cow, there's some people really doing well. 
And then I was like, well, I mean, what the hell, you know, I was like, what the heck am I doing? I should, I should just do this. Cause one, I'm good at it Two, I like it. And, and being Asian American, I'm like, what else could I do where my face is an advantage? Maybe a sushi <laughs> chef, you know, right. Right. You're like, eh, you know, I don't want to be a sushi chef. I, uh, so I said, you know, this is, you know, I looked apart, right. You're Asian American. You walk into a school and you're like, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. He's Asian, you know? Must, anyway, that's he not must the know Taekwondo. <laughs> he's Asian. He, he, yeah, he's Asian. He must know Taekwondo, right? Um, so it just, it just kind of all kind of worked in, and there was no business or trade organization. There was nothing like that. And so I got a chance to, um, uh, like, I, have you heard of Tiger Shulman? I don't know if you yes. know Tiger Shulman. Tiger Shulman's karate, and someone's like, yeah, this guy's got like 30 locations in Manhattan. I'm like, okay. So I got in an airplane, and you you visited all the Tiger Shulman schools over a weekend and, you know, had some food that that's, those were my conventions. That was how I learned how to run the business better. Yes. sir. And, Oh yeah, there's a guy that's doing really good in California. And then it was Fairbores at that time. And I uh, went to the team karate centers and I checked him checked him out. And at that time, did you know Stephen K Hayes, the ninja guy? Hmm. No, I don't think he, so. He ran a bunch of locations in Southern California. So I, I this was all circa nineties you know, in the late nineties. So yes. none of these organizations for martial art professionals has, has started. And now, you know, uh, David, you're lucky. I mean, you don't have to go anywhere. You can just go to these conventions and just meet everybody that has similar experiences and willing to share. You can, you can explosively grow your school very quickly because of the knowledge is all there. You know what I mean? Right. Yes, sir. So, so when you're very you, lucky. So when you graduated, um, you decided to open a school or you decided to continue working at your, your dad's studio, sir? So that's what I did. I, I, went, I graduated and I went back to my dad's school and I said, Dad, I'm, I'm going to help you grow it. So, you know, at, at our peak between my father and myself, we had close to 680 students in one school. Wow. <laughs> so we just like just grew. I mean, we just blew the doors off and I was like, you know, this is too big. How, how and so, big was the location for 600? Uh, 6,000 square feet. Oh, okay. It's like a warehouse. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Well, no, we built a building. So we built a 6,000 square. My father, I should say, my father built the building, 6,000 square foot dojong. Nice. Did, so, did he started that when you were much younger? He built that building? He built that building when I was a sophomore in high school. Okay. And then you just, you guys just took it to another level. Right. So when I got back, I was like, well, yeah, you know what I mean? And now you have seven schools. Is that correct, sir? Uh, six. Six. Seven coming up, though. <laughs> always. Seven always. is always on, in the works, right? Seven, eight, yeah. nine. You know, the magic number is nine. Really? Why is that? Well, nine times any single digit. <laughs> And you add the two up equals nine. Oh. Nine, nine times <laughs> nine is eighty-one. Eight plus one is nine. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen that before? No, I have not. Oh, really? Yeah, check it out. Yeah. Like, what's nine times seven? Yeah, nine times seven sixty-three. That's six plus three is nine. Oh, wow! Yeah, it's it's kind of weird, isn't it? Anyway, huh. that magic number. That so you need to have nine schools, sir. Wow, I like that. I like that. It's good motivation. <laughs> well, uh, I better let you go. It's been an hour, and my wife is like, "Hey, we need to go to lunch." 
<laughs> you probably have to go to school. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, thanks for having me on. Thank you, and, sir. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing you guys in Las Vegas. I look forward to seeing you too, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll see you then. Have a nice day, sir. Take one. You too, sir. Take one. Bye-bye.